It's time for our second message this afternoon. Mr. Barnabas Grayson, his sermon is entitled, The Hope of His Calling. Barnabas. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I see they have a clock up here. Hint, huh? I was expecting Ken to have special music. I thought Ron mentioned something about special music, but I guess he's only kidding, huh? He for is that right? That's what it is. I was sitting there getting ready to listen to some music, and here I am. <laughs> you know, the early disciples must have had a lively hope when Christ said to them, Wait you here in Jerusalem until you be imbued with the power from on high. And so they were counting the days to Pentecost, and maybe uh, Christ was then going to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. But it was the Spirit that he poured out on that day of Pentecost, the power of witnessing and delivering the message of that coming kingdom, the good news that uh, is behind all of the uh, hope that we have today. And so... We today are the recipients of that beginning, the hope of God's calling, because in today's world, we see that it is becoming more and more a world lost in doubt with very little hope. But there are things, you know, that can dim our hope. There are things that can cause us to doubt, and there are things that can ruin our expectations if we aren't close to God. Today I want to uh, go into several scriptures. I gave Brian about three pages of scriptures, so we will try to cover as much as we can. But uh, bear with me because we're going to read the Word of God in, in a lot of places. But in Ephesians chapter 1, we see that here in the book of Ephesians, that the apostles' desire is that they know God better, that they learn to know God better and to take hold of and experience His great power and find fullness in Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of Ephesians 1, it says that Paul, of course, an apostle of Christ, through the will of God, to the saints that are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Faithful saints at Ephesus. Faithful saints also at Tulsa or wherever people are meeting to worship God and to hear His word on this day. In verse 2, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that as a very common salutation to the saints, to the people of God who have this hope in the calling. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. So in today's world, peace is often very hard to find. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And we know that uh, blessings are the granting of something good. In the heavenly places in Christ, 
So we see where God, we know that he devised the plan of salvation and that Christ carried out that plan that is a blessing to us. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that is, he chose us in him, that is, in the church, that we should be holy and without uh, blemish before him. Now, these blessings, of course, add up to our being counted as sons, as being adopted, and the redemption and forgiveness as another part of that blessing. We know that many are called and that uh, few are chosen, but no one is really forced to believe or disbelieve uh, in Christ because the choice is, is uh, free. Having foreordained us unto adoption as sons, and this word foreordained is uh, proorizo, which means to mark out ahead of time. Uh, us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, uh, the beloved. So we read where we have our redemption through his blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our trespass, trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So as we look upon the word forgiveness, as we look upon uh, the redemption that is through the blood, that a way has been paid for us to be forgiven of whatever sins we have had in the past, whatever sins that we might uh, that might overtake us, even as we have the Holy Spirit of God, we have Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might live. Dropping on down to verse 13, in whom you also, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, of promise, and we were uh, sealed with that at baptism, which is an earnest of our inheritance. You know, uh, the word there is a deposit, like a down payment. It's the first installment for full salvation that is to come. Unto the redemption of God's own possession, unto the praise of His glory. For this cause I also, as Paul having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and the love which you show toward all the saints. Now, I'd like to switch now to the New International Version in uh, verse 16. Verse 16, uh, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So we see the purpose of Paul's writing this epistle, of giving this message to the Ephesians that you may know him better. So there are so many scriptures that we can read, so many scriptures that are in this uh, word of life that will help to know him better. I pray also, verse 18, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance 
in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So we wonder, well, where is Jesus Christ? He's at the right hand of God. He's there as our advocate, as our Savior, as the Lamb of God. Uh, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find hope or will it somehow be dashed and diminished because of all the going-ons that are to occur as we approach the end of the age? We're all flesh. We can all be short-sighted at times. In Genesis 1:26, God gave a purpose. God said in verse 26 of Genesis 1 that let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. In Genesis 2, verse 6, it says that there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. And Jehovah God, or Jehovah God, or Yahweh God, the eternal God, he formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. If you've ever handled a piece of clay, like Crayola clay, uh, you know, the colored clay, the white clay, the gray clay, and you try to make something out of it, you squeezed it, you pushed it, you pulled it, and you did things so that it might take shape, that it might take form. Uh, one of the easiest things to make for me when I demonstrate how to make clay is to make maybe something that is small, like a mouse or a bird because you can picture how it feels and then you begin to squeeze. I wish I'd brought some clay to show you, but I didn't. But you have to picture this, that you can make there, uh, a bird. You can make it look like a bird or a mouse or something small, but that's all it is. It's just a piece of clay. And the power that God had was to be able to breathe into that piece of clay, the breath of life. With all the other intricacies of the human body, it is an amazing feat that we uh, look upon in just these few verses. And Jehovah God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which Jehovah God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living things. So the eternal God went through this process of taking this rib from Adam and he did it while he put Adam to sleep because, you know, Adam perhaps could have felt pain. I don't know how God must have done it. 
how he must have opened the flesh to saw out or take out this rib and then put it into this other uh, specimen, this other clay, and bring it to life. Some of you probably undergone surgery in which you've gone into the surgery room and, uh, and then the, uh, they put a mask on your face and, and then they tell you to count you know, backward or something like that and before you know it, you're waking up in recovery. It's something like this. Verse 3, And the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living that God had created a help meet. And in all of this, we see that through a great miracle of creation, that we are patterned after the first human beings, but that we are fragile, and that we are temporary, and that we are just physical. But here we are, among billions and billions of people more from, from that day of creation, who have been given a hope and who are the hope of God that we conform to his likeness and inherit the riches of his glory. In life today, we see how hatred and violence and other forms of evil are filling the earth with bloodshed and, and pain, just as in the days of Noah. And it would seem that God's hope and plan for mankind is on the brink of failure. Every day there are news reports filled with some sort of human tragedy or, or misfortune. We hear about bad things happening. And what a way to start the day with, you know, the morning cup of coffee. But that's, you know, that's our, in a way, that's our routine. And this morning, in the gray of dawn, before, you know, the sun came up, I walked outside and I, and I heard listen to the birds, they were waking up, they were starting to sing uh, their songs. And for just a few moments, I felt how peaceful uh, it was, how serene it was. But somewhere else, in the freshness of that morning, uh, near or far, somewhere on the other side of the world, or down the street, or in the same uh, little town I live in, that there is pain, that there is dying, that there is sickness, that there is loss that people are, are waking up to. So when we think about those things that happen in this life, are we, don't we also think that if, if we had the power to change it right then and there, we would. But at this time, we just don't have that power to bring goodly change and relieve the suffering as we would like to put an end to war, to go over to Syria and say, quit fighting, and uh, to end the diseases that are, uh, that are in the hospitals and, and all those things that plague mankind. But that's the reality. And some might ask, well, where is your God? Where is your faith to do something? And some wonder if there is a God who even cares. But we know that there is. And that there is a plan that you and I have a part in. Because we know that the eternal God is not going to let his plan uh, fail. And or let his hope for mankind come to nothing. Psalm 94. Verse 1. 
here we see the psalmist who is appealing to God as judge of the earth to act against the evil that, that is uh, being done. Verse 1, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, because we know, you know, he says that vengeance is mine, I will repay. O God, to whom vengeance belongs, show yourself, lift up yourself, you judge of the earth, render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They, they break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, you brutish among the people and you fools, when will you be wise? When are you going to wake up? He that plants the ear, he that made the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastises the heathen, shall, shall not he correct? He that teaches man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Blessed is a man whom you ch uh, chasten, O Lord, and teach him out of your law, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for uh, the wicked. And so sometimes when we see uh, the bad things that are happening, when, when things, it looks like when people have no hope, then sometimes we are frustrated, sometimes we are uh, appe appealing to God that he come in and intervene. But God in his patience has decided that there are others who may come after us. Children who are growing up who are going to have an, who must have an opportunity to find the salvation and the hope that we now have. So we live in trying times. Confusion, doubt, temptations, tragedies, disappointments. These are the fiery darts that are thrown at us in order to make us lose heart, to make us lose faith in God who created mankind for a special purpose. Now the hope of his calling involves many things in our life. Number one, it means belief in that calling. To not really, you know, to not take it for granted 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, once again, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterances and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift waiting for 
the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even as a test, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same uh, judgment. So we see that the Apostle Paul was, you know, confronting some uh, uh, flaws that the church had. Let's drop down to verse 26. You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confuse or to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised has God chosen. Yeah, and things which are not to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Though we might not be, you know, the noble, we might not be the mighty, and maybe looked upon and despised in, in some way, uh, but of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Not in human you know, philosophy that some people want to rationalize out of, but to truly rely on on the revelation of the written word, of Christ's word about salvation. Now the eternal God may seem far off at times to us, but we need to realize that he is closer than we think, and that he knows each one of us personally, and that we are called uh, to him through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, How do we know that he knows each one of us personally and by name? Uh, John 10, verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. He knows his sheep. He knows his flock. He knows each and every one of us. Verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, which, you know, could be referring to the Gentiles whose minds have been opened, and the grace of God has seen fit to include them in his inheritance, or it could mean the dispersion that is uh, destined to be either one, uh, to be destined to be gathered as one. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. First Corinthians 8 says in verse 3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. If any man love God, the same is known of him. So he knows your love, and he knows you 
because of that. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the soul. It is the light that the eternal, you know, shines in every person. So he takes notice of where our hearts are, what our thinking is, and how deeply we each believe and what our strengths uh, are. Number two, the hope of his calling is that we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. This uh, word worthy is from the uh, Greek axios, which uh, literally means to balance the scales, uh, to be balanced in our life. You know, not, not to uh, go overboard, but to be balanced and to walk balanced in the vocation wherewith we are called. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And he gives four essentials to keep, uh, to keep this unity. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, which is patience, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 tells us that we should humble ourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, not to be, you know, arrogant, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. So be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. We learn that we are called to glory and, and to virtue and that we are to have uh, diligence uh, toward it. Second Peter chapter 1. Skip down to verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There's perhaps a lot of you know, motivations for us in the beginning to have become a Christian. I can remember uh, years ago, and one of the motivations that led me to Christ was knowing 
that in the future that there that uh, that uh, according to prophecy that our people are going to go into captivity and I didn't want to be a part of that but there are exceeding great and precious promises that have been extended to us that you know we the more you look into the word of God the more you realize just how precious life is and so these exceeding and great precious uh, promises is the things that could motivate us when sometimes our hope may be, di may be diminished. Verse 5, that we are to give all diligence and that, you know, we all have faith, but we, uh, to this faith we have to add uh, virtue and to that knowledge and to that temperance and then patience. And then godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have these spiritual resources that are revealed to us. But it's our responsibility to put them into action in the hope of his calling. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Because, you know, when you're blind and you're not putting these things into action, you can't see far off and your hope is, is dimmed. And has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. So... Those things are, are those virtues that are uh, proof that Christ is in you. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> It tells us in verse 1 that we are partakers of a heavenly calling beyond the realm of this world, beyond the social structure of this world, but that we are partakers of a heavenly calling. Verse, uh, down, let's skip down to verse uh, 13, uh, verse 12 that is. Take heed, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in de departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So we are the hope of his calling that while the world may be going after and doing its own thing contrary to the eternal's will there is a body of called out ones destined to bring fruition to the plan of God and the reason why God put man on the earth and why you and I are here today and we are seeking to qualify for that mission right now we in a way, our ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, old things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, God dealt with our sins in, uh, in Christ in order to make us righteousness. To make us righteous. That, that his sacrifice was not in vain and that God's work will not, will not fail. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our treasure is. That's where our heart is supposed to be or should be. John chapter 18, where this is where Jesus is before Pilate. Jesus answered my kingdom, answered Pilate, if he is a king, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be de delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see that the Apostle Paul directs a warning to believers. He says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's kind of like, you know, a flame, like, you know, like a pilot light uh, on the water, water heater. It's there. You know, you, uh, you turn something on that causes that to automatically come up. And, you know, you get hot water. But this Spirit is in us. But if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, whose temple you are let no man deceive himself if any man among you seems to be wise in this world let him become a fool that he may be wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God for it is written he takes the wise in their own craftiness and again the Lord knows them that are his oh, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are vain Therefore, let, no man, uh, let, none glory, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. And you are Christ, verse 23, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. In Romans 8, I'm just going to refer to verse 14, because it uh, speaks a lot. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We only have, you know, to ask ourselves, are we being led by the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit is really a gift for the asking. Luke 11, in verse 10, 
Everyone that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, or will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So we see that even a sinful man knows how to give good gifts, and how much more the Father when we ask of him. Now the Holy Spirit, as we know, is given upon repentance, is given upon baptism, and through the laying on of hands. Luke 24, we see that it is a power from on high. Thus it is written, thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's where our hope began. That's where the heavenly hope of God began. Behold, and you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. The Holy Spirit is an anointing by God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. And this is a promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. You need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. We're told in Ephesians uh, 4, verse 30, that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, that we're not to quench it, that we're not to give up hope, because Romans 8, 24 tells us that we are saved by hope. Finally, I'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. When we wonder about why God does not step in, why it seems that our, our people's hopes are diminished by every sort of thing, that we wonder where the hand of God is. In verse 1 of Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered, muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any pleads for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice's eggs and weave the spider's web. 
He that eats of their eggs dies, and that which is crushed breaks out into a, vi a viper. Their web, web shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their work. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goes therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does judge justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. This is like our time today where uh, we see many of these evils uh, taking place. But we know that the time is coming when the saints of the Most High God shall possess the kingdom and in, in inherit eternal life and glory. And we shall judge angels at that time, and we shall reign with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 tells us that we are begotten unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in Acts 24.15, we have hope toward God that there shall be a resurrection of the dead. So when that time comes, then we can bring the hope that is beginning to dim in this world, that we can make changes that we seem powerless to change today because at that time, uh, Christ will be king of kings and we will reign with him because of the glory that he is willing to share with us because we are the hope of his calling. <laughs>